At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Oh, my good friend Paul Allen. Hey, it's hard when you're sitting in that booth to see whether it goes through. He thought it went through. It didn't go through. Whoever was listening on the radio had that half second of euphoria before it all shattered on them. The Vikings scratching and clawing to try to pull out the victory against the Cardinals. One of the best games of the day, but the missed field goal from Greg Joseph. Thanks a lot, Matt Casey, for playing that to start hour number two. But uh, the Vikings now 0-2, and they could be 2-0. That's the margin, Mike. The Raiders are 2-0. They could be 0-2. The Vikings are 0-2. They could be 2-0. And the challenge is forget about those. Focus on the next one. Oh, oh, that's exactly right. You saw Dalvin Cook get bent a little bit, get stood up on a tackle and bent a little bit and got hurt. The, the thing for me, though, Mike, with the defense, the biggest difference to me of, like, you just brought up the Raiders and the Vikings, the Raiders' defense is really good. The Vikings' defense is not. And that, that's something where if your defense isn't good, your offense, you better be scoring a lot of points. And I think Minnesota can occasionally score a lot of points, but I don't think they can consistently score a lot of points. All right, superlatives time on this Monday edition of PFT Live. As always, Mike, you've got the honors. Give me anything that you want, any award you want to give, any title you want to apply to it. Off we go. All right, I'm going to go with Zach Attack is back, and I'm bringing up Zach Martin again. Zach Martin was back on the O-line for the Dallas Cowboys to the tune of 198 yards rushing for the Cowboys to the tune of 31 carries to 27 passes. When he is on that line, when he has not, not been injured the way he's been, he is the best guard in football. I, I, I would ask people, don't just watch the football. At times when the Cowboys are playing, watch Number 70, if you want to get better at learning the game, watch him block. 
His technique is incredible. His leverage is incredible. Rarely is he ever out of bad position. So when healthy, this guy is on track for a Hall of Fame the way he's going as long as he can stay healthy. And he's just one of the best offensive linemen to watch, whether in space, whether combo blocking to the second level. He's rarely off his feet. And he always, even if he's in bad position, he gets back into a winning way. So when he is healthy on that line, and I throw Teron Smith in there as well, this line can do things like making it an evenly split offense, which is something the Cowboys need. I think some folks did a double take two weeks ago when Zach Martin was put on the COVID reserve lift and, and Ezekiel Elliott said he's the best player on our offense. Well, he is. Yep. He is. And that offense goes <laughs> if Martin is healthy and available to play. So great choice by you right out of the gates as the Cowboys get to 1-1. One one. Me, uh, I'm going to start with uh, call him out every week, please. That is the... Award for Mike Vrabel for calling out Julio Jones last week after he got a stupid penalty. It lit a fire under Julio Jones. And this is a guy who is not accustomed to being coached hard, to being treated this way. They tiptoed around him for years in Atlanta. And ultimately, it set the stage for him to be able to flex his muscles and get out the door. Didn't want to be there, and there was no one there to hold him in place. Mike Vrabel is coaching him like any other guy on the team. It's the Bill Belichick approach. And I don't know that Belichick would have called him out. That's Vrabel's style. But Belichick would have let Julio Jones hear it behind the scenes for making a, a stupid decision and costing the team 15 yards of field position last week in that loss to the Cardinals. It worked. Six catches, 128 yards. No touchdowns, but that's kind of how it goes for Julio Jones. He'll rack up all the yards and catches. Touchdowns, not as much. But, but fulfilling the promise that the Titans envisioned when they made that trade to add him to that offense. And, and it also helped that Derrick Henry showed up. But if Julio Jones is good for 100 yards a week, this Titans team is going to win a lot more games than it loses, Mike. Oh, I, I completely agree. And I remember A.J. Brown and Julio Jones was like, oh, my God, what a tandem. And week one, neither one was the leading receiver in yards. So you got to find, just like as I said last week, Kansas City or teams with the great receiver and or tight end, they find a way to get it to the best players. They don't just say, well, they're going to try and take that guy out. We'll go somewhere else. You find a way for, to get Brown or Julio Jones the ball. And yesterday it was Julio who got the ball a lot. But it leads me into my second superlative because it's the same team. And my, mine is put the crown back on King Henry because – what he was able to do, I mean, D Derrick Henry and running the ball, I just love a guy that big, the way he runs the ball. You're just waiting for him to truck somebody. But you saw a difference in week one where they had to pass a little more. He only had 17 carries. He's a guy that needs to build up. And build up he did to the tune of 35 carries for, what, 182 yards yesterday. Uh, and in the fourth quarter, he took over a couple of touchdowns. And that's what he does. The, you, you talk about an eight-minute offense or a four-minute offense. And for a team like that, when you have the lead or you, or you need to get the lead, you have a guy who can control the ball and keep the chains moving. And if you have the lead, he can help you burn the clock. Or, like he did in this game, give you a couple of touchdowns in the fourth quarter to get you right in that game and help you get the win uh, over Seattle. So when he gets his carries, he's a guy you look at. How many carries is he getting? Because he gets better during the game. And when that big dude is smacking you in the fourth quarter, when you start to get a little tired, that's when you see him really start to lean on people and gain some yards. 
Yeah, he, he really is incredible, and he had that that quiet first week, and people started to wonder, and look, you run for 2,000 yards one year, it's going to be hard to get back into that category again, but he looked like the guy that we've seen and that we've grown accustomed to, and he's showing no signs of falling off the cliff. I remember when the Titans had Eddie George, he never really had a serious injury, he just got to a point where... It just didn't do it anymore. It just you, you can only do so much as a running back in the NFL. I feel like Henry's got plenty more gas left in the tank as he continues to be one of the very best, if not the best, running back in the entire NFL and a lot of fun to watch play. All right, next one for me. We touched on this game earlier, but there's a dynamic playing out that is stunning to me, and, and this award is silver and black, greater than symbol, black and gold. And the Steelers will always have the immaculate reception game. But starting in 2006, now this is the season after the Steelers were coming off of their long-awaited one for the thumb. Since 2006, the Steelers have been, without question, a dramatically better team than the Raiders. The Raiders have stunk. The Raiders have one playoff berth, no playoff wins. Steelers won the Super Bowl in 2008. Steelers went to the Super Bowl again in 2010. Steelers are the much better team except when they play the Raiders. The Raiders are now 6-2 and two against the Steelers since 2006. It makes no sense. How is this happening? And, hey, Bill Cowher was the coach for the first game, and the Raiders won that one, but it's been Mike Tomlin ever since. So Mike Tomlin's 2-5 and five against a Raiders team that has not been good since 2007 when Tomlin became the head coach. It's stunning to me that the Raiders have this mastery of the Steelers, Mike, but they extended it again yesterday. I don't get it, and there probably aren't many teams out there that can boast this kind of success against Pittsburgh, but the Raiders are one of them. You know, every time I, I, I hear Raiders and Pittsburgh, it, it does. Mike, you just helped me go back to my childhood a little bit because I was born and raised in Cleveland, so two things out of that. The Browns were bad then, so they were tough to root for, especially when you went to the playoffs because – they weren't in the playoffs. But what else happened being born in Cleveland is you automatically hate the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I did <laughs> growing up. So, but I, I needed a team that like in the playoffs, you know, that, that, that went somewhere. And unfortunately, it wasn't my Browns. I was a monster Oakland Raider fan back in the Kenny Stabler days. I loved them. And I loved when they and the Pittsburgh Steelers always matched up, you know, in the immaculate reception. At the draft, I got to make a selection for the Eagles. And Franco Harris was there making a selection uh, for the Steelers. And, I got, and, and we were in the, back, in the green room talking. And he was talking about back in those days when they would play, you know, against the Raiders. And, man, it was just – I just loved hearing that. I loved growing up watching that rivalry and then seeing where it it is today. It is kind of a head scratcher the way the, the Raiders have been playing against the Steelers as of late. I grew up in Steelers country and the Immaculate Reception was the moment when I was seven years old that I realized the NFL was a pretty big deal. And uh, that's kind of the moment. And never, even though I wasn't a Steelers fan in Steelers country, that was a moment that, that I really was drawn to the sport because there was nothing like that in that time frame to, to get that many people excited about what the Steelers were about to become. But the Raiders... I'm sure they would trade the outcome of the Immaculate Reception for being 6-2 yeah. and two over the Steelers since 2006, but regardless. The, the NFL, Mike, is far more interesting and entertaining when the Raiders and or the Cowboys are good. And when they're both good, the NFL is a lot more entertaining. Uh, listen, I, I agree with you. And, and right now with the Raiders, that means you get more sideline views of Chucky. 
you know, on the side, which, which is always entertaining to see what face John Gruden is going to make. But overall, I completely agree with you, and those teams are better. The, the league seems to be a little more interesting. All right, my, my third superlative, and, and I'm not a creative guy, but, you know, I came up with the Zach attack and crown King Henry again. I'm not going to lie, I couldn't come up with, with one for Cooper Cup. I, I tried. I, my, my, the, the juices weren't flowing. So he's my third one, just Cooper Cup and what he's done. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the stats and do what we do. If the, you know, the cumulative stats of, of what he can do and where he is, nine catches for 163 yards, and the Rams went over the Colts. He has 16 catches for 271 yards and three touchdowns. So you know what I'm going to do now, Mike. So he's on pace. He is on pace. Cooper Cup for 136 receptions, 2,312 yards, and 25 touchdowns. How great would it be if he got to all of those? But let me tell you, Matthew Stafford, you, you always wonder, you get a new quarterback, and especially a new quarterback that's a veteran, who are they going to start to match up with? Like you see a great young connection with Burrow and Chase in Cincinnati. But here, you get a vet in Stafford going to a new team. Who's going to be that guy? And, and not, not like Cup hasn't caught balls in the, in the past, but that relationship seems to be there. He has eight more targets than anybody else on the team, and you just got to feel that is going to keep going. And everybody knows it, yet they still find a way to get it to Cooper Cup. What he's doing is incredible, and I hope he keeps the pace up. And on that last touchdown, this is something Sims pointed out yesterday as we were watching the games. Cup's in the backfield running that wheel route because they don't have a running back they trust to run that route. Right. So just put Cooper Cup back there and let him do it. He's versatile enough to make it happen. Gets back to what we were saying earlier. Take your good football players, put them wherever you can to allow them to help you win football games. But yeah, he's having an awesome year. It helps to have Matthew Stafford. Rams off to a 2-0 start and looking very good. Next one for me. And... Uh, <laughs> The, the, the 49ers, it is amazing that they're able to hold a roster together. They're going through this year what they went through last year. This is running back by congressional committee. That's my award now for the San Francisco 49ers. There were seven different guys who had rushing attempts yesterday. It felt near the end of the game against the Eagles like they were going to grab somebody out of the stands and put him in uniform to come in and play running back. <laughs> Everybody's hurt. Everybody's banged up. It's, it's, and it's incredible. They keep winning. You know, last year they had the East Coast swing. And they had the two games at MetLife Stadium with all the injuries in the first one against the Jets. And this year, the, weather, the, the East Coast swing, excuse me, with the, the two games on the road and the injuries. But they're right. 4-0. They got the right plan to win the games. But, uh, the, and and the, the injuries aren't as bad this time as last year. Not as, not as impactful for the rest of the season. But they're, they're, they're doing what they can to hold it together. And it's just odd that for the second straight year, we've got all these injury issues. And for the 49ers, it's clustering at the running back position. Yeah, whenever, whenever they stay at the Greenbrier like they did, you know, the resort, they always have guys limping around there for the last couple of years when they stay on, on the East Coast. But it is amazing. Seven guys carrying the ball. They ran the ball more than they threw it in a close game, 17-11. to 11. But again, you know, there are teams that can just completely throw the ball whenever they want, and you know they're going to be in it, like, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs. They can have the ball for 11 fewer minutes and have turnovers, but they feel that they can still make up for it. You know, San Fran's another one of those teams that likes to have a ground game to complement their, their passing game. And right now, it, it's duct tape and chicken wire that they're holding it together with. I, uh, I was a big Scooby-Doo fan when I was a kid. We're about the same age. I don't know if you were Scooby a Scooby-Doo guy. Were you a yeah. Scooby-Doo guy? All right. Oh, and, and I remember, I remember, I remember being very disappointed when they felt compelled 
to wedge Scrappy Doo into the mix. I didn't like that. I, I'm, ah. I'm fine with Scooby. I don't need a mini version of Scooby in Scrappy. That's when it started to jump the shark for me. But I'm giving out the Scrappy Doo award. Now it's going to take me a little while to explain, it, but bear with me, please. Um, okay. Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo was the original dog that saw ghosts. Well, Sam Darnold was the original Jets quarterback that saw ghosts. Zach Wilson was seeing him yesterday, so he's Scrappy-Doo. Until he shows otherwise, especially against the Patriots, Zach Wilson, four interceptions in 11 attempts. He is Scrappy-Doo. He was seeing ghosts. And somebody actually asked him in the postgame press conference about that notorious Sam Darnold remark of seeing ghosts on that Monday night from a couple of years ago. And I'm not worried about Zach Wilson. We've seen Bill Belichick do this to plenty of quarterbacks. The question is how he reacts from it. But it was noteworthy to see a guy with so much promise, so much potential being made to look so ordinary in his first go-round with Bill Belichick. Oh, without a doubt. And, and I, I wasn't, not, not going to lie, I wasn't a scrappy dude either. I, I was just, yeah. you know, Scooby-Doo, row You know, I loved it. I loved Scooby-Doo. But, I mean, that, that also, I, I'm, I'm with you about, we can go to other young quarterbacks. Young quarterbacks, it was not a day for them, right? Trevor Lawrence, we know, is going to continue to struggle in Jacksonville. Everybody was clamoring for for uh, uh, Justin Fields as well. Justin Fields gets a chance because uh, Andy Dalton gets injured. Justin Fields, under 50% completion, throws an interception, gets the ball knocked out of his hand. Uh, I mean, it, it, it just, it's hard. You know, Davis Mills comes in for uh, Tyrod Taylor, and he struggles for Houston as well. So, you're, you're, and I, I try to say this when people want to force the young quarterbacks in. Now, I get it, doing it on a team like the Jets because they're a bad team, doing it on a team like uh, uh, Jacksonville because they're a bad team, get their reps and, and try and build around them. But I'll, I'll continue to say I, I didn't understand it in the Chicago situation where everybody wanted to force feed Justin Fields in because he looked good in preseason games where you're playing against vanilla defenses all the time. And c- rookie quarterbacks are going to make more mistakes than big plays. So for teams that have any kind of aspirations at the end of the year, and I know the Bears do, and we'll see where that can take them. Uh, again, that might be a defensive-led team, and certainly with the 49ers, you got to have the veterans in there. But the rookies like Zach is going to make mistakes. Like Trevor is going to make mistakes. It's up to that team to build around them like they didn't do for Sam Darnold. They keep saying they're going to do when they get a quarterback, yet they rarely do it, and that's why Jet fans have the attitude that Jet fans have. And Mike, Peter King made a great point in his latest edition of Football Morning in America. You can read it at profootballtalk.com. Joe Douglas, the GM of the Jets, has done Zach Wilson a disservice because the only other active quarterback yesterday was Mike White. You got to have somebody that you can put in the game when Zach Wilson is having a bad day. They needed to get him the hell out of there yesterday for his own good, for his own long-term well-being. And you're not going to put Mike White in the game. And and it has been stunning to me that they didn't make a play for some sort of a veteran there just to mentor Zach Wilson. I know they're all in with him, but you can still find an older guy that's been around the block a few times who can come in if the guy gets injured or if he's – Scrappy do all day long and ghosts are running all over the place and you just need to give him a break. It's okay. He's allowed to have a break, but, but you're not going to give him a break for Mike White. You got to have somebody else there that you can feel somewhat confident isn't going to go out there and make it a hundred times worse. 
I act. I I a hundred percent agree with that. Again, I have no problem starting a young guy, uh, handing the ball. I mean, it's what they should have done in Jacksonville instead of the ridiculous Gardner Minshew. This was going to be a competition in in New York. They handed Zach Wilson the ball, said you're the guy, and we knew Trevor was going to be the guy. And they're going to have tough games. But I completely agree with you. Every now and then, they're going to have a game like that where you just need to say, "Hey, young pup, go scrappy, <laughs> go sit down." Go, go, go take a break, take a breath, you know, collect yourself. You can sit out the rest of this one. But you're right. You need a veteran. You need some kind of veteran presence to go step in that huddle because there are still 10 other guys standing out on the field waiting to see who's, who's supposed to come in and lead that offense because the game's not over. you got to finish the game. So I agree with you. I think a, a veteran backup is very, very key. And Robert Sala, the coach of the Jets, made an interesting comment yesterday after the game how he wants the offense to be more boring. He doesn't want all of these chances to be taken. Well, well, then why did you guys take Zach Wilson? Because this is a guy who's got that Mahomesian flair. He's got the Aaron Rodgers to him. This is a guy who, if harnessed and, and taught properly, is going to give you explosive offense, not safe, conservative, we're going to grind it out and win with defense. I mean, the way Sala was explaining it, hell, maybe they should have taken Mac Jones at number two before the Patriots could get him at number 15? Because it sounds like after yesterday's game, Sala would rather have Mac Jones, or at least a guy who plays like Mac Jones, and they can get into a close game and try to bend the right break at the right time their way. I'm, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you because I think he's saying, I guess in essence it's coach speak. Because the other side of that is coming out and saying, we want to throw it all, the ball all the way around the field. We want to be a passing team. We want to be a, a big play team. You want to live, you actually would love to live on 30 runs and 30 passes every game if you could do it and a solid defense. Now, if you happen to get a Patrick Mahomes who can, you know, make miracles happen, then great. But you, I don't think you go into it that way, Mike. You don't go into it saying, okay, we got this quarterback. Man, we are going to fly around, throw the ball around everywhere, try and score 40 points a game. You, you want to build a balanced offense. And if out of that balanced offense comes a great passing game or all of a sudden the quarterback steps up and he becomes a Patrick Mahomes, which can be a rarity, or a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady, which can be a rarity, other than that, I, I think you want to be able to re rely on other aspects of your offense and certainly your defense. And Mahomes sat for most of all his rookie year. Rodgers sat for three right. and kind of learned the game behind the scenes. It's what the Bears have been trying to do with Justin Fields, and maybe that's the difference. It's easier to develop that guy into a great passer if he isn't forced into the fray. And here's Zach Wilson, young and looking much younger than he is. All of a sudden, week two, he's dealing with Bill Belichick, and they're going to have to do some work on the fly to get him to set that one behind him, forget about it, and learn from it and move on, and, uh, and maybe they do need to make things a little more conservative in the short term in order to let him get to the point where he's confident going out and doing those great things that he did at BYU. All right, speaking of guys like Justin Fields, other young quarterbacks, they've been pressed into service because of injuries. We'll run down some of the big quarterback injuries from yesterday. Who steps up if the starters can't go? We'll do that next here on PFT Live. All right, quarterbacks injured week two. It seems to happen in bunches like this where all of a sudden everyone's healthy until they're not. Let's start with Andy Dalton, the 
knee injury that was suffered on Sunday by Dalton and the Bears win over the Bengals. It's not believed to be an ACL tear MRI today. Justin Fields, Mike, is going to be the guy if Dalton misses time. There was some chatter yesterday. Maybe Nick Foles would slide into that starter role so they could continue to bring Justin Fields along slowly. And his numbers weren't great yesterday, but I think they believe Fields is ready to go if Dalton can't and that he will indeed become the starter if Dalton misses time. And and again, we won't know until they do the MRI, but uh, could be could be Fields going back to Cleveland for his first NFL start coming in Ohio. Of course, he played at Ohio State. It could be him on Sunday. Yeah, l- listen, again, I, I, I will continue to say I was one that said start Andy Dalton because I thought the defense was not, not like it was a couple of years ago, but, but close enough to it where I think that defense could lead the team and the offense could maybe do enough in that division for them to fight for the playoffs. And I wasn't starting a rookie. Wouldn't start in a rookie if I have a team that, that could possibly make the playoffs. I'll say it again. Justin Fields may be an incredible quarterback, and we saw some flash plays in the preseason, which doesn't mean a whole lot because the best-looking quarterback in the preseason was Zach Wilson. How's that working out in the regular season when it all starts to get real, real out there? Justin Fields may turn out to be a really good quarterback, but he's going to make more mistakes then big plays. He'll wow every now and then, had a nice run, but he'll throw an interception. He'll get the ball knocked out of his hand as he's trying to make a play. Uh, complete under 50% of his passes. It's going to happen as you see the drive chart uh, after the Dalton injury. So uh, we all know he was going to be the quarterback of the future, and that's cool. My only point was, and it wasn't sit him on the bench so he learns. My only point was the Bears may have a chance to do something, let a veteran quarterback do it, just like I said in San Francisco. It wasn't about sitting and learning, because we all know Fields is going to be the guy. But if he's pushed into service before Matt Nagy wanted, then we'll see. Then we'll see what the growth rate is going to be, and it, it would be a tough first start against Cleveland and that defense, that's for sure. Yeah, and and I, I think that Nagy at some level really does want to bring Fields along. He's influenced by the experience that he had in Kansas City when Nagy was the offensive coordinator and Patrick Mahomes was a rookie and didn't play until Week 17. But but you're right. If you think you can win games with Dalton, you think you're a better team with Dalton, then that's what you do. And one very important voice in all that that we still haven't heard loudly and clearly is what the locker room thinks of it. Sims made the point last week that after Fields scored the touchdown against the Rams, they rallied around him with kind of a, a message like, hey, we really believe in this kid. We'll, we'll see how much anyone can or should believe in him if he does play this week, if Dalton is out. Again, they don't believe it's a torn ACL. You can tell some things by how you manipulate the knee externally. The MRI will tell the story as to whether and to what extent Dalton is out and Fields is in. In Miami, Tuatonga Vailoa got rocked early multiple times by the Bills' defense. And on the last play where he went down, held his ribs at first, and then he was coming off. His shoulder was kind of hanging, and it wasn't clear what it was. He was carted off. They announced it was a rib injury. X-rays negative. Tests last night. Tests today. Not clear whether and to what extent he's going to miss time. Jacoby Brissett is the backup there. They signed him in the offseason away from the Colts. But, Mike, if for some reason Tua is going to be out for an extended period of time, you know that Deshaun Watson talk is going to kick in again. Oh, I, I think unless Tua continued to play and had an unbelievable year 
that talk was going to continue. And that's why I said two guys in the beginning of the season were, were Alabama quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, who I think is playing pretty well, and then Tua in Miami where they were, as we, we have mentioned, openly courting Deshaun Watson. So, yeah, that's going to happen. And if this is a rib injury – Let's see how they play that because I've certainly had those. But as a D lineman, it's a hell of a lot different. I can you stuck a needle in it and you go out there and you play. You don't know if you're going to do that with a quarterback or not. You know, you, you, you never know. And I can tell you that injury makes you feel like an 80-year-old man, you know, trying to take a breath. So if it is, is it the cartilage? Is it a cracked rib? Is it torn cartilage in between the ribs? We're going to have to wait and see. And it was on the left side. You saw where he was reaching. So it's on the, on the, the side of the arm he throws with. So the, the, taking the ball back and the follow through. So we, we're just going to have to wait and see. But he is also a guy I still think, using the term wait and see, that's what everybody and I, include, I think the coaching staff is saying about Tua. Let's wait and see how he plays. And, Mike, I can also proudly add to my list of amateur athletic injuries, both broken ribs and bruised rib cartilage. And let me tell you, even if you don't have a broken rib, if that cartilage gets bruised, it hurts just the same. Can I ask what did it? Did you fall down the stairs or were you actually doing or no, trying no, to do no, something no. athletic? What, what, no, no. I, I, I got the broken ribs when I was – 14 and we were uh climbed a hill near where i lived and i I was sliding down uh and 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 i i thought it was an overgrown root so i could kind of hold myself and work my way down it wasn't it was just a stick and off i went and i tumbled and fell and probably should have died because there were like some pretty large rocks i almost slammed my head into but all i got was three broken ribs for the for the trouble and then I, I took a knee to the chest playing touch football once and that did the rib cartilage and it hurt the same that's what stunned me it hurt did it the end same. your career uh, did it end your end your career at that no point? no no just just let it heal just let it heal just numbed it up baby dr needle came by and we were good to go um carson wentz carson wentz ankle injury due to an unfortunate encounter with aaron donald got rolled up on as donald was pulling him down Today, we'll know, just like we always do. They find out the extent of the damage with the MRI. Apparently wasn't broken, but with an ankle, there's all sorts of ligaments in there that can cause you trouble. Jacob Eason came in and promptly threw an interception. Chris Sims called a shot in the viewing room. He knew Eason was going to try to do something that he shouldn't have tried to do. And uh, Eason is the guy. Sam Ellinger's on IR. If if Wentz is ever out for the season, and there's no reason to think that this is going to knock him out for the season, that's when the Nick Foles thing becomes real. I don't think they'd ever bring Nick Foles in if Wentz is still able to return because of the weird Philadelphia dynamic between the two. But if it ever would be Wentz out for the season and the trade deadline is still not come and gone, it comes November 2, I think Foles would be an option. Yo, I think he definitely would. And, and as far as Wentz, you saw his foot kind of fold uh, when he got tackled by Donald. You saw him trying to tape it over on the sideline, and then it was his right foot, so that's his back foot to push off of. You saw him trying to push off of it uh, on the sideline, inevitably end with his hand in his head saying, you know, uh, or his head in his hand saying, you know, I'm not going to be able to do that. And Easton goes in. Now, Easton had to try and take him down the field, so you knew he was going to try and put one in there. I, I know uh, Chris made the call, Sims made the call, which was a good call because he did promptly throw an interception. But a big difference will be if you know Carson's going to be out, now Easton's going to take all the reps because you're taking number two reps all week, which aren't a lot. 
and then you're in the game. Now, you know at any given time, one injury, one play and you could be in the game like he was, but there'll be a difference if he is running first team all week, getting all the reps, getting all the, the talk with the coaches, you know, solely because Carson, if Carson's going to be out. So that, that certainly would help uh, Jacob Eason a whole lot more than just getting thrust into the game in a situation where you need to get the ball down the field. Yeah, and uh, it was alarming when Wentz was out with the foot injury and we just assumed Eason was the guy. Then all of a sudden they really like Ellinger, and I think one of the reasons they really like Ellinger right. is because of the limitations for Eason. So if Wentz is out, they need they need it to be a short absence because they are still in the midst of a five-game stretch to start the season that is very, very difficult, and, and it may be over for them before it even gets started the way things are going there now, obviously 0-2. Tyrod Taylor, hamstring injury in the first half for the Texans. He looked great, and the Texans may have won that game if he hadn't gotten injured. Nobody knew he was injured until Davis Mills came out as the starter to begin the third quarter. I thought there were requirements for in-game injury updates. Apparently, the Texans said, yes, he's out with a hamstring injury. Um the, the talk immediately turned to Deshaun Watson because they're paying him $10.5 million, Mike. He's on the team. Short week. David Culley was asked after the game whether or not Watson would play. He said, we'll see. I'm told it would be a major shock if it's anyone other than Davis Mills if Tyrod Taylor can't go. Short week. Watson hasn't been around. They don't want him to play. They don't want him to get injured. No. They don't want to lose the no. the bounty of picks that they're going to get either now or later. And important point, the league hasn't decided whether to put him on paid leave because of the sexual assault allegations because they haven't had to make a decision because the Texans aren't trying to put him on the field. If all of a sudden, if, if today on the practice report it says Deshaun Watson did practice – that's when the league would say, hang on a second, hang on, we need to make a decision now on whether or not we're going to let this guy play. So that's another factor that pushes against the idea of Watson suddenly coming back. So but before I talk about Watson coming back, let me ask you, do you think if they said we're going to, we want to, we're going to make him play this week, do you think the league would step in this week and say he's on the, the, the exemption list and he's not playing? I don't know because the league hasn't even gone down that path. The league looked at it and said, we don't need to do anything. As long as the Texans are going to pay him to not play, we don't need to even begin to make a decision. Let it play out. Let him not play and get paid. We're in the same spot. But if all of a sudden he's going to play, that's when we have to make a decision. And I think that's the message. I don't think. I know that's the message the league gave to the Dolphins a couple of weeks ago when it was getting real between Miami and Houston because Miami wanted to know, are, are we just going to give up all this stuff for a guy that you're going to put on paid leave? And the league does not like to tip its hand in those matters. And more right. importantly, the league doesn't make decisions until it has to. Hasn't had to. So yeah. uh, now – Hey, I don't know. I don't know which side you err on if you're the league when you don't have much time to make a decision. But if it would bubble up like that, they have a pretty quick turnaround because the Texans would need to know whether or not they're wasting their time getting Deshaun Watson ready to play on Thursday night. But, but it would be a stunner if it happens. Look for Davis Mills if Tyrod Taylor can't play on a short week. Yeah, the other side of that is then do you put him on the field if you can? And I'm with you. I, I, they want to trade him. They're not going to put him on the field and risk him getting injured uh, with the injury money out there. So I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be Davis Mills, and I think it's a tough ask. I don't, do not think Tyrod Taylor is going to play. Again, we talk about the soft tissue like we would T.J. Watt with the groin. This is a hamstring on a mobile quarterback on a short week. I would be stunned 
if, if Taylor is playing in this game. So, again, just what I said about Jacob Eason, if he's not, you're going to get Davis Mills, who at least is going to get the number one reps. Now, it is a short week, and you're playing a Carolina team with a defense. I just sang their praises and went down a list of accomplishments they have had this year. So, that is one hell of a tough ask for the young quarterback if he gets a start, his first start in the short week. They do have Jeff Driscoll on the practice squad, but I, I, I doubt – I mean, he's on the practice squad for a reason. I doubt that, that they right. would call him up and, and give him meaningful reps this week. He would just be the backup to Davis Mills if it came to it. So that's where the Texans stand as they try to avoid falling to 0-3 on a short week. They, they, hey, they, well, no, though, they won. They're, they're one, I'm, I'm just so wired to think they're going to stink. They're 1-1, one and, one, and yeah. they could have been 2-0 and if Taylor yeah. stayed healthy. Right. And uh, who knows? Yep. Who knows? Hey, I learned week one – and, and based on what we saw yesterday, I'm not going to write the Texans off because they got some talented veterans. Nick Casario did a very good job of accumulating talented veterans who were available in the free agency, and this team is better than what we thought it would be. And uh, they covered yesterday, uh, which is uh, – it doesn't count in the standings, <laughs> but uh, it may count for some. Counts for a lot All right, of let's people. let's go ahead and take a break. <laughs> it, ca- it literally counts for a lot of people. Week 2 Sunday <laughs> Statement Draft next on this Monday edition of PFT Live. Some of the winners from week two. Time for the Sunday statement draft for the second Sunday of the 2021 season. Mike, you have the honors. I appreciate that, and I appreciate you not banking it on a trivia answer because I would never have the first pick. Um, my, my first pick is, is the last guy you heard there, Derek Carr, a guy who I, I think has been trying to prove himself to John Gruden like Accept me, Father, you know, as the quarterback of this team. Don't look elsewhere. I am the man. And, and he is proving himself. 817 yards passing in the first two games and with, with a, a revamped offensive line and no running game when Josh Jacobs is out there. Again, they have a defense playing extremely well, but they have to live by the pass on the offense, and Carr is getting it done. Short passes, medium passes, airing out the long ball to rugs the way he did. I love the way he's playing right now. I love the confidence he's playing with, and as you heard, still gets called names, but I don't think that'll ever stop by, that, by Gruden because we know the type of, of coach he is. He could be certainly a rough coach but I do like the way Derek Carr is playing right now and along with that defense let's see what the Raiders can do as I said 2-0 in 2017 2-0 last year and it didn't lead anywhere but let's see if this year will be a little different so Derek Carr is my first pick yeah he has been awesome this year and the fourth season with Gruden it's working into something very very special long way to go but great start for the Raiders especially with the wins over the Ravens and the Steelers to get things started. Next is a guy that we saw during that clip, and apparently the TB12 method causes you to have very thick and lustrous and dark hair to the point where he's starting to look like a troll doll. You know the troll doll with that big shock (laughs) of hair? Tom Brady, if we can pull up an image of it, he's starting to get the troll doll hair. Look at that. Look at that. Give me avocado (laughs) ice cream till the cows come home, baby, if I'm going to look like that. Uh, and also, he's playing pretty well, too, at age 44. Five touchdown passes yesterday for the Buccaneers. Mike, he's got 35 games now in his career with four or more touchdown passes. He's tied with Peyton Manning, second all-time. Drew Brees has 37. And so when will Tom Brady catch Drew Brees? Well, he's running a streak in the regular season of four straight games now of four or more 
touchdown passes. Now he's up to five with yesterday, obviously, but four is his magic number. Uh, he knows the number four very well from last year. But uh, the record for consecutive games with four or more touchdown passes is five. He's won from that, obviously spilling over from the regular season last year. But he's incredible. And the, he, he acknowledged last week the possibility of playing until he's 50. I am not betting against this guy <laughs> playing until he's 50. There's no sign at all of drop-off at 44. It is amazing. I remember when he said he wanted to play till what, 45, and I had said, I, I think the end of his career that I put on him, I said he would maybe make next, which would be next year, the 22 season, and that would be it. But, hell, he's proven everybody wrong with the shape he keeps himself in and certainly the smart way that Tampa Bay has gone about it by being the only team to have everybody back as starters from a Super Bowl victory team. So they are, are, are certainly on the right path. And, you don't you don't question anything he says anymore because what he does is he says it and then he goes out there and he backs it up with his play. So pretty impressive. So uh, my second pick, I'm going to go to the other side of the ball to to a team I've talked about uh, already in this show, and that's the Carolina Panthers. I, I can't say enough uh, the job that Phil Snow was doing, the D coordinator, and what this defense is doing. Let me say again, in first two games, they have shut out their opponents in the first half. They have outscored their opponents 33 to nothing in the first half, the first two games. They have 10 sacks in two games. They have three interceptions in two games. Hassan Reddick, who was with the, uh, had a heck of a year with the Cardinals last year, is now leading the way with three sacks. Eight different players have partial sacks of the 10 that they have. And Sam Darnold was playing well on offense, but as I will continue to say, a defense will always keep your team in it. Uh, because sometimes, you know, do we still trust Sam Darnold to fling the ball all over the place if he has to to get a win? I, I'm not there yet. So I, I trust Christian McCaffrey a lot more running the ball or catching the ball out of the backfield. But I'm really starting to trust this defense a heck of a lot more with the way they are playing. So let's see if they keep it going. Short week against the Houston Texans this week in Houston, probably without Terod Taylor, a quarterback for Houston. So uh, that I'm sure that's going to favor Carolina big time the way this defense is playing. But as a former defensive player, I just love when a defense is really being aggressive and getting after it. We spent a lot of time talking about Lamar Jackson last hour. I got to get Lamar Jackson into the Sunday Statement draft because he overcame that mental obstacle of the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. And along the way, he had a great night with over 100 yards rushing, nearly 240 yards passing. For the 11th time in his career, he had the stat that MDS from PFT calls the double-triple, where he gets... 100 or more rushing, 100 or more receiving, 11 times now he's done that in his career. He was awesome last night. And we haven't talked about this, Mike, because the story came out last Monday that Lamar Jackson, who represents himself, is so immersed in football that he can't get his career done. I'm hoping that the Ravens, if this guy gets injured this year, that they still give him the contract that they're ready to give him even if he suffers, like a Dak Prescott injury last year. Dak still got paid. I hope they take care of him because he's setting aside – his personal financial security to focus on football. And and if and when he does get injured, they need to take care of him. And hopefully they've made that commitment to him kind of behind the scenes. We'll take care of you if something happens. I, I, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. I'll make my last pick. I'll go a little quicker. It's going to be 
The Buffalo Bills. We talk about what we don't know what we're going to get from week one to week two. It's a team that put up 16 points on offense against in the loss to Pittsburgh in week one. And they come out against the Bills and they shut them out, but they put up 35 points on offense. So how do you react after a bad, a bad loss? And especially on your side of the ball when you're not putting up the points you normally do. You come out, you put up 35 on your next opponent. That's a good practice week. And so let's see where they continue. But from week one to week too. I like what the Bills have done. I'm going to put a pin in my last one because, Mike, I can guarantee you, you are going to love it. We'll wrap up this Monday edition of PFT Live, also known as Mike Along with Mike, right after this. All right, last pick of the Sunday Statement Draft. And even though they lost a heartbreaker in overtime, Mike Golick, this is for you. Bobby Wagner, 20 tackles, franchise record. How you like that? Oh, I love that. I love that. Had to ice down a little bit after that game. <laughs> yes. All right, uh, the Lions are probably going to have to ice down after tonight's game when they go into Lambeau Field to take on a slightly salty Packers team. What are you going to be looking for in that one? I think we both believe the Packers will win. What's going to stand out for you? I'm looking for what five-letter word I'm going to spell after the game for the Packers. It's either (laughs) R-E-L-A-X or or P-A-N-I-C. Relax or panic. Or maybe a few four-letter words if you take the Packers and give the points and the Lions (laughs) keep it close. That's possible, too. All right, another show flies by. Mike Golick, Mike Florio, otherwise known as Mike Along with Mike. We'll see you next Monday for the two of us. We'll see you tomorrow morning for PFT Live. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.